0: Hey, everyone.
1: Welcome to the show. Happy Wednesday. Uh, I'm super excited about today's guest. As many of you know, I'm all about weight loss, but part of that is living your passion. I think if you obsess about food all day, you have no prayer to lose weight. But if you're out pursuing your dreams, living a big life... Uh, the pounds just kind of fall off. So today's guest is going to help us with that. Um, He's amazing. I'm going to give you a quick Jellybean update and then tell you about him. So, uh, Jellybean, you know, I'm kind of at a standstill again, which is making me crazy, and I think it's my attorney's fault this time, but I'm not sure because she's not responding to me. But basically, for those who... um, are, haven't been listening every week. Um, Jellybean is my foster daughter. I was blessed with her the day before Thanksgiving in 2017. So she's almost 16 months. I've had her since she was three days. And basically, it's been quite an interesting time with the court. Nobody has come forward with her, but I've um, experienced seven months of delays with courts and social workers um, that were unnecessary. And now I'm still like... I signed adoption papers about six weeks ago, and I don't have a court date yet to finalize it. So, making me crazy, but she's amazing. She's walking now. She's happy. She's she's just amazing. And um, a lot of people saw that we were at the emergency room a couple of weeks ago. She's kind of having tummy issues that we're trying to work through. But other than that, like perfect and just my little foodie and I love her to death. So um, stay tuned for when the adoption will be final. I can't wait to show her cute little face to everyone. Um, But that's kind of where we are. Okay, without further ado, our guest. James Nord is the co-founder and CEO of 4 Card, which builds technology that helps brands and influencers work together more efficiently. 4 Card uses millions of data points and fairly complex algorithms to help make the best influencer recommendations set fair market pricing and report on the efficacy of brand social media campaigns. Over the past three years, 4 Card has paid out millions of dollars to their influencers and helped brands like Chanel, Louis Vuitton, Estee Lauder, and Jaguar improve their influence influencer strategy prior to four card james was one of the most followed photographers on tumblr and leveraged that following into a lot of free clothes and gigs with oscar de la renta tom brown puma and stella Artois. welcome james
2: thank you thanks for having me i'm happy to be here
1: Sure. Well, and for those who haven't seen four card, the cool thing about it is you have all levels of influencers and you basically uh, pair them with the right brands who need the right things. I've actually done a campaign through them, but for people at home um, wondering how they start getting paid for Instagram posts, James has this really cool do you call it a podcast? I it's a video you know, it,
2: it started as a, as a YouTube thing and we just started kind of ripping the audio and and, uh, and sending it over to a podcast. So I don't really know what I call it uh, ah. <laughs> but you can you can listen to it on podcast or you can watch it on YouTube. Um, so it's either.
1: Oh, cool! Yeah, so he, um, so I get because I'm part of his influencer network. I get these, um, you know, notes that these are coming out, and they're really, really good for anybody who aspires to be in that arena. Um, but I'd love to hear like how you had this brilliant idea to start uh, Four Card.
2: Yeah, and and uh, I have to say, you know, we are now called Four. Actually, we dropped oh, the sorry. card. It's okay. I still do it too. It's Uh it's like stop saying card, but we dropped the card. Um, maybe maybe last year, early last year. Um, so we're just four now. Um, originally we wanted it to be like a models kind of like a models comp card, right? For for at Uh the time bloggers. So that's why it was called four card. Because like if you go into a modeling agency, I haven't been in one in years, but. It used to be that, you know, you walked in and there was these shelves and they had all the actual cards on there. And right. it was like you were going to, like, a, you know, convenience store, except it was just models. And so, like, <laughs> you would kind of go around and you would pick you would pick the cards and you'd flip it over and it would have all their stats. And so that was kind of what we wanted to create for bloggers. Um, we knew we couldn't call it, like, Blogger Card because I could never get a brand to be a client of mine if I called it Blogger Card. So. Um, that's kind of how the how the name came about. But anyway, how we you know how the idea kind of how it started. Uh, it, it was really out of personal experience, as you said. I, I had kind of fallen into this this following on Tumblr, and I was uh, you know this was before Instagram even existed. So you know, being one of the most followed photographers on Tumblr meant I was one of the most followed photographers in the world, and you know, at the time there really, there was no money in this, this, it was just kind of something fun. And I wanted to work with brands, but I'm from Georgia. I didn't know how, (laughs) you know, I was living in New York, but I didn't know how fashion worked. I didn't understand any of that. And so I was having a hard time, you know, taking that following and being able to translate it into any sort of meaningful career. And I met a guy who was working at Tumblr, ended up eventually becoming my co-founder and he had all these connections and he wrote a couple emails for me and completely changed my life. And maybe, you know, a year later or so we were continuing to talk and he had left Tumblr and we're saying, Hey, you know, you, you changed my life with this one email. Um, I had, you know, I had this following, I was kind of doing this thing in photography, but I had no contacts and he wrote a few emails and, I was, you know, working with Oscar De La Renta. I was, you know, mm-hmm. in France shooting for Stella Artois. I was shooting stuff for Puma in Abu Dhabi, and it was just like it wow. was crazy. Like, yeah, <laughs> exactly like, what is what is happening? This is not normal life. Um, but you know, we we were like, yeah, he had changed my life with that email, and and could we create a platform that could do that for a lot more people? Um, so I don't know how you know, great the idea was, I think that we, uh, you know, we've been lucky and, you know, the way the world and the industry has changed has certainly made it seem like a better idea than uh, people said it was when we started it. (laughs) Um, But that's kind of how it it came about. Wow, interesting.
1: And were there, like, how did you know how to even begin so to speak like for yeah. those people sitting at home like you're like okay we could totally do this like what was the first step what was the hesitation you know anything like that
2: yeah I think you have to go probably go back a little um in in my history you know I I was always uh, like a pretty confident kid and um always did you know did well in school um, and when I graduated from college I, I went to a liberal arts school in in Pennsylvania when I graduated from college the really, it was 2006, so we were kind of starting to, to ease ourselves into the recession. The job market was not great. Um, I wanted to work in advertising, and I didn't, uh, I didn't have any contacts there, and, and I couldn't find a job in advertising. And I ended up on Wall Street. I was a futures and commodities broker, making 225 phone calls a day and you know, hating my life and feeling like, you know, having grown up, And, you know, when my dad would come down and and greet us at the breakfast table, he would ask, you know, me and my brothers how the future leaders of America were doing. Ah. And there was a there was an expectation of like greatness in general. And I was working in this like pretty bad job and I wasn't very good at it and was feeling like, huh, well, maybe maybe my life isn't going to look like I thought it was um, because, this is, you know, this is a, a, a pretty dead end spot that I'm in. And, and then I, you know, I got some other jobs and did some other things that I certainly enjoyed more, but were not very impressive. And I was desperate to try and change my station in life. And I ended up, you know, the Internet opened up a lot of things because as I grew a, a following on Tumblr, it was finally something I was like good at. And I was like better than most people at it. Um, so it kind of was certainly a source of pride and it was something that I was really passionate about, but it also gave me access to people that I didn't have access to before, you know, so by building this following, you know, it it allowed me to reach out to entrepreneurs or photographers or people that I looked up to and, and ask to get a coffee and get a response, you know, because I could say, hey, I'm one of the most followed people on Tumblr and, I see that you're on Tumblr, I've been following yours for a while, I'd love to sit down and say, oh, I saw your blog, I love it, let's sit down. Anyway, I ended up having a cup of coffee with this one guy who's an entrepreneur, he ran this company called Blip.TV. Uh, and I was saying how I wanted to start businesses and you know, and, and potentially how a lot of people feel who are maybe listening to this, it's like the, the actual the actual process of doing that is generally fairly innocuous. Like no one really, you don't really know what you're getting into. How do you do it? How do you know the idea that you have is the right idea, that it's viable, that it's going to work? How do you get the money? How do you incorporate? How do you pay your taxes? How do you, you know, how do you do all of those things? Um, (laughs) But first, the first question was like, is the idea right? Like, how do you know that you have something that could be valuable? I had coffee with this guy and he's like, he was just like, what are you you waiting for? No, No idea is right. You know, no time is right. And like, if you want to start a business, just start a business. Like, what's the worst that's going to happen? It's going to fail. Like, okay, cool. Like, move on. Um, and for me, that was as simple as that sounds, it was kind of transformative. And I just started trying to, you know, I was still unhappy in my jobs, but I was making a little bit more money. And I started taking every extra cent that I had and putting it into little projects. So I think the first one I did. I had a uh, photography magazine uh, that was based around the seasons. So it was like, it was it was like, there was an issue called Pretty Good Summer and then there'd be like Pretty Good Fall, Pretty Good Winter. Um, and it took uh, photos from a bunch of like young internet photographers and did a couple of those and it was expensive and, and, you know, it was interesting putting it together. I got a logo made, I got it laid out, you know, I did the whole thing, I did a launch, but I, it kind of, you know, petered out. And then I had a little record label. I found this kid whose music I really loved and he needed money to make an album. And I had a little bit, so I made, we made an album together, um, and that failed and didn't end up working. Um, he's gone on to be um, quite successful, but, uh, that didn't really work. I had a tie company. Uh, I was making Ah. uh, neckties. I was, I was, uh, screen printing vinyl on the bottom half of ties so they would be like the top half was silk and the bottom half was like a vinyl uh color block thing so i I did that for a bit and that ended up you know having a product company is really difficult and i ended up kind of getting bored of that and running out of money and you know and, and there was three or four other little things that i did and so doing that and starting those little things and putting them into the world and asking my friends to either be customers or to talk about it and it it helped me kind of, um, understand one, what kind of business did I want to run? But also like that it isn't that, you know, all of those other businesses, I probably started with a thousand bucks, um, maybe. Uh, and they were all like pretty easy to run while I was doing my actual job. And so, you know, I think for me, it took a lot of the stigma out of Starting something and failing, first of all, because like all of these things, I was very passionate and public about them. And then they kind of didn't work and they petered out and people would be like, what's going on with the Thai company? I'd be like, oh, I don't really do that anymore. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it just like, it, it, it made it a little less scary. And I think when Rich and I started talking about 4Card, uh, the idea felt, having done those other businesses, the idea felt a little bigger um, and it felt like something that was a little more important. And 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 so, you know, as we talked about the idea more and more, and it, it haunted me more and more of like, okay, I feel like this is a thing that we should do. Um, I think that the the switch is, is like, you know, and, and I know this is a long answer to um, you know, no, I
1: actually course. love it, and I love that you're being, like, I thought you were super cool before, but I just love that you're, like, actually telling all of this, because this is the purpose of the show, to tell people, you know, live your dreams, go just do it. So thank you okay, for the uh, answer. It's
2: <laughs> so I think that, like, what started to happen was that idea felt so right for Rich and I to do um, that... Not doing it was a bigger failure than doing it and having it fail, you know. And so it it didn't really become a question of like, am I going to do this? Um, is this thing I want to do? It was like, this is going to be done by someone. We are the right people to do it. And not doing it would be the same as doing it and failing. So there really it take for me it took the like pressure off of it. Right. Cause it was like, I was already talking about it. I was already invested. So it, it was just like, it switched to being like asking myself if I should do it to asking myself, how are we going to get this done? Um, which was a, which was a small, but big shift.
1: Yeah, well, so, okay, I love this because I'm sort of in an interesting place myself right now where I know the message that I want to bring to the world and I'm trying to figure out in what vehicle to put it out, but I get the whole, like, burning, like, you know that this is what you're supposed to be doing thing. Um, And I think for people who don't, like, just starting something, as you said, can really lead you to exactly what you're supposed to be doing so like I'm building this giant website platform right now which is I think the best way to get the message out but it Mm -hmm. may end up failing miserably and I may end up opening like a retail store (laughs) (laughs) Um, and I know that Um, but yeah as I said I I love um, I love what you just shared because I, I think that a lot of people look at people like you and see like all this cool stuff you're doing, and you're obviously really successful, and they're like, oh, he probably knew someone, or he was lucky, or, you know, they think this is the first time you've ever tried anything, and and uh it's amazing. Um, <laughs> we have just two minutes before the break, but is there... Like, what was the biggest thing that people were telling you not to? Does that make sense? Like, do did, yeah. did people are like, that's crazy, or whatever?
2: I, you know, I think that uh, I don't know that I was getting a lot of like, don't do it. I don't know if I was asking people's opinion that often. I think for me, the biggest thing was like, you are very much walking, you're, you're on a path in your life, in your career, and doing what we were going to do was essentially just stepping off that path and saying like, this whole life I thought I might have where I'd be a marketing director at a you know big company or whatever it might be, that life is no longer going to happen right i'm stepping out of like normal corporate america into this other thing and for me that was was scary because you're you are you know trading out a future for you know that is not certain but maybe is more comfortable with one that you have absolutely no idea what it will look like and um that was that was kind of that was a big kind of scary step certainly
1: you know, it's it's interesting that you say that because I feel like now kids coming out of college, like the difference in interviewing people for internships now versus even like four years ago is crazy. Like everybody has their own business already. You're just yes. like, wait, what? <laughs> so I think that's a little less scary. But on that note, we're going to go to break. And when we come back, we're going to find out much more for James and get even more inspired. Stay tuned, everyone. Tune in every week to the Voice America Influencers Channel for The Movement with Shannon D. Hughes. It's all about what's happened in the past that determines the future. Everyone has their up moments and their down moments. The pendulum is always swinging between the victories and the pitfalls in our lives. But each of these serves as success points that we learn from and move forward. Listen for The Movement every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on The Voice America Influencers Channel. We don't follow, we leave. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel.
0: You are listening to Have It All with Devin Alexander. To reach the show today, please call 1-866-472-5795. That's one 866 472 5795 or send an email to fans at devonalexander.com. Now, back to have it all.
1: Hey everyone, welcome back. Um, for those who are just joining us, we're here with James Nord. Uh, he's one of the co founders of Four Card. And then he also was a huge photographer on Tumblr. And he was sharing that he started a number of businesses that didn't quite go the way he'd like, though he's still quite young. And uh, during the break, we kept gabbing away because he's so interesting. And he was telling me, well, I, I think toward the end of the last segment, we were talking about how when I interview interns now, it's amazing that everybody pretty much has a website or a or a business or something. And, and James threw in that it's kind of easy these days. And I know to some people at home, they're like, whoa, wait, it's not easy. So do you mind sharing a little bit of that, James? Like your feeling on that?
2: Yeah, I think that like, Yes. Starting businesses is, is easier than it has ever been. Uh, you know, when I started that quote unquote record label, I, you know, went to legal zoom, I got an LLC, I downloaded some, you know, documents on like an, a, a, you know, corporation agreement thing and, uh, kind of signed those and filed them away. I went to Squarespace and I, I spent, you know, two or three hours making a website and like, there we go. I had a record label. You know, it was it it was pretty simple. And I think that you know, if you are if you have a product, you know, you can start a Squarespace page um, or Shopify, and you can put you know five hundred dollars of Facebook advertising behind something and see if it's going to work. I think that like testing something uh, be- becomes a lot easier. Um, not every business is like that, obviously. Some require huge amounts of capital and planning and all that. But increasingly, I think that with most businesses, you can shrink it down to that, you know, what what they would say in the startup community of an MVP, of a minimum viable product. What's the absolute most stripped down way that you can test uh, if your idea is a good one? You know, and, and initially, I think that's what you want to answer is, is do I have Again, what they call in the startup community, product market fit. Do I have a product that the market is signaling I want this thing? Um, and that doesn't have to be a physical product. I talk about it on drink with James with content all the time. If you know if you if your Instagram is not growing the way you want it to, it means you don't have product market fit. It means you're putting out something that that people aren't really attached to and 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 don't really really want and that's okay this is why most businesses pivot they try a bunch of different things until they land on the actual thing that works um but where you go out of business or where things don't work out is if the market is signaling to nobody wants this and you just keep doing it saying well maybe one day they will um because generally that doesn't work out
1: (laughs) right so you were also saying that um you know, you can put up a website in terms of like you were starting your businesses with was it five to ten hours a week and not, you know, like yeah. while you had other jobs?
2: Yeah, it was it was you know, nights and weekends, but it wasn't, you know, i, I don't I don't really ascribe to the whole like what I would call it, like hustle porn. You know, yeah. where it's like, you know, Gary Vee screaming at ch- in your face that like you need to work harder and like you can work till five in the morning every day and then get up and do your nine to five. Um, you know, I don't I don't think that that is is uh, everyone has the ability to do that um, from just a, the way their life is structured. And I don't know that it's always necessary, but I probably did a few hours um, during the week and the evenings, and I spent maybe a full one of my days and the weekends on it. Um, so yeah, it wasn't hugely time-consuming, uh, especially in the beginning, because like you just don't have many, you know, you don't have many customers or anything. So it's not like you're really that busy. Um, and it was a little more difficult, like starting the tie company. I, I had to learn how to make ties, uh, so that you know that wasn't easy. But I wasn't doing it myself. You know, I just had to go around to factories and talk to different people and you know, figuring out someone who could screen print vinyl onto silk wasn't easy, but like, you know, I just, you just kind of dig around. Um, but yeah, I think most of those businesses I started with, you know, five to 10 hours a week and a thousand bucks in the bank. And, you know, I don't think I lost money on any of them. They just never were interesting enough to continue to dedicate my time to. Right.
1: Okay, so let's jump back to four card a little for those who haven't um, been lucky enough to see it or see your podcast of sorts. um, Can you explain a little bit more about what it is and like what level of influencer you have to be to be, you know, to maybe land a campaign at first?
2: Yeah. So we have a few ways that we make money. One is that we have a platform that has about 75,000 influencers on it. Um, It's got all of their data in there, their contact information. Influencers have to sign up. um, So it's not something that's scraped from Instagram or anything like that. But you sign up, you connect your accounts, and that allows us to, um, you know, show that data to brands that might be interested in working with you. So uh, that's one way. And then the other is that we run managed campaigns. So brands come to us and say, I've got X amount of dollars. I'm working on a, you know, this project. Uh, and we kind of manage that that end to end in finding the right influencers, reaching out to them, briefing them, uh, making sure it all runs smoothly, reporting on the campaign, all of that. So those are kind of the ways that we uh, make money. Everything that we do, it, you know, we kind of balance the art and science side of influencer marketing, no different than any advertising, where you know there is. Just, there's things that we need to do that are based on on art, based on our feeling, based on our knowledge of the industry, of the brands that we're working with, of what will, you know, how to convince people of a product to work with or to, to buy. And then there's the science side of, like, does the data support our decisions on how can we use data effectively to make sure our strategies work better? Um, so everything we do kind of has that lens on it, whether it is the self-serve platform or the managed campaigns. And for influencers, it's free to sign up to the platform. And and while we, you know, the, while the business is growing, and I think we're running maybe 70 or so campaigns this week, um, and we've got hundreds of clients every day using the, the platform to find influencers, you know, not every person in the platform is going to, you know, consistently be getting reached out to from brands. So we also provide tools to make it a little easier for influencers to, you know, to have a press kit that's always updated to, you know, be able to understand the data side of their following, to verify that their following is real. Um, So we do things for influencers, even if they're not getting campaigns with us. So it's totally free to sign up. You know, we've got people from, you know, tens of millions of followers down to tens of followers. So there's really no, really area.
1: tens of followers like you can have like a thousand followers
2: yeah you yeah definitely like will you get a deal from us probably not um, but that's why we try and pr- create free tools to help you grow you know and and to to kind of move you along uh, through that process and and you know we want to be a place where anyone can come and connect their accounts and and understand the business side of being an influencer better um, so it's it's there's no minimums for signing up. Now, for us working with somebody, you know, I think 10K is probably the lowest that we would generally work with someone. But we have worked with people with smaller followings than that as well. So, um, And then the clients who are using the platform on their own, you know, this is something that a lot of influencers don't get. They're like, oh, I've never gotten any deals from you uh from four i've been on the platform for two years and i'm like okay rattle off some of your recent collaborations and they'll yeah. start telling me and i'll be like those are all our clients they're all yeah. using how do you think they found you like <laughs> they don't reach out and say i found you on four uh, but that's where they probably found you so i think just getting on the platform opens you up to a huge amount of, of opportunity
1: interesting very cool and what are there goals for you in the business now or are you like doing so well which is what it seems that you're kind of in a state of just reveling or what's going on there from an entrepreneur
2: standpoint <laughs> yeah there's no reveling um, <laughs> you know it's 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 fairly relentless I mean I think that while we're doing better than we ever have, life is, is certainly more difficult and more fun than it's ever been. Um, but, you know, we've doubled our revenue every um, um, every year. the last. We've been around for six and a half years now. So we've doubled our revenue every year. And, and, you know, those numbers are getting big. And it's certainly a pretty big task to continue to do that. But that's what we're all driving at. So, you know, we are... 32 people or so now. Uh, And, you know, we're about to move into an office that's four times as big and um, can hold 100. And my expectation is that we're going to grow out of that, um, hopefully sooner rather than later. And, you know, it it doesn't slow down um, in any way. It just kind of gets harder. There's this there's this quote from a, a pro cyclist that's talking about you know being a bike racer and he's like you know uh, it doesn't get any easier the races just get faster you know like you mm-hmm. you as you get stronger so does everybody else um, and so there is no you know there is kind of no letting up um, it is uh, it is fairly relentless but it's you know it's a different kind of business this is we do have some investors uh, we raised money when we we launched and we have done one other round of uh, fundraising since then. Uh, I have investors, I have shareholders, I've got uh, you know employees that own shares of the company, and there's an expectation um, that those shares at some point have a liquidity event and they turn into money. And so, you know, there's this isn't a lifestyle business. It's not something where you can say, you know, what we're making whatever ten million dollars a year, and I can take two million a year out of it for myself and it can just run, and that's okay. fine. And that's an amazing business. And if you had that business, like you could bank on that the rest of your life, obviously. Uh, yeah. For us, it's always about growth and re- reinvesting our profits and, and growth and continuing to try and push this as far as is humanly possible. And for me, that's, that's also, it, it, in this stage of my life at least, um, at 34, I think what is interesting to me, which is that like, how far can you take this? You know, How big sure. can it be? Um, because for me it's just such a wild ride that I get to do this at all and I get to be around all of these amazing, smart, talented people who've also dedicated their life to this company. Um, I'm interested to see how far we can go.
1: Yeah, well, I, I do think it's really interesting that so many people, you know, are in day jobs of sorts and they think that being a boss is such a great thing because you don't have to answer to anyone. <laughs> <laughs> and I feel like as an entrepreneur, you answer to even more maybe in a weird way Um and juggle a ton. Um, I love the life, and I wouldn't trade it for anything. But to anyone thinking that, I mean, just hearing you have a hundred employees, like, is like, whoa. Um, you know, that's a a lot of. Wait, was it hundred you said, or, or thirty two? Oh, sorry, thirty two. Yeah. I
2: want to be hundred. You want to be yeah. hundred? Got it. Some... But
1: yeah, regardless, like thirty two, whatever, is a lot. I've like, my, I've had six at most, and
2: that's a lot, you know. That's... Yes yeah, it's, it's 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 a lot and and you know I think I, this is not doing this is certainly not the life for everyone I think that like something that is, is true of any entrepreneur no matter the size probably is I think what you give up is it, you know what you get in being your own boss and controlling your destiny you know those things are perks and I, it would be hard for me to go back but what you give up is a like passive security, you know, right. you don't have job security. Nobody has like, you know, truly has, you know, job security if you really think about it, but most people don't really think about it. And so it, it, it doesn't infect, infects a strong word, but it doesn't, you know, plant itself in every part of your life. I mean, for me, and, and, and maybe this isn't the case across all, most entrepreneurs, but I think it is, this is my, you know, this is like my entire life. And even if I'm not actively working, it, it, you know, it's. I woke up this morning and like it's the first thing I'm thinking about. It's like, um, and it's just it's all consuming in a way that really can, you know, detract from the other parts of your life. And, you know, maybe there's a way to find a balance, um, but I think it's it's a pretty hard thing to find that balance if you're continuing to try and push and grow because um, you know if you're not thinking about all the work that has to be done or this it's just the like anxiety of like I've got 32 mouths to feed and you know there's a certain amount of money we need to make every month just to keep the lights on and that that amount of money has gotten you know higher, yeah. and, higher and higher yeah, yeah. so it, it, it's, it's it's a lot you know and I, I remember I talked to a guy years ago ran this really successful agency in in London and he 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 left it and took a CMO job at a brand and I was like why'd you do it and he's like I was just so sick of the worrying and anxiety I just couldn't take the like I just wanted to have a job where like all I had to do was go in and be creative and do cool stuff and somebody else worried about you know the insurance premiums going up and someone else worried about you know all the HR issues and all you know like it all kind of comes back to you. And I think that you have to be a kind of person that, that wants to do that. Um, and it's okay if you're not, you know, I think as you were saying like so many people are entrepreneurs now and so many people are starting businesses, but it's not right for everyone. And you, there are certainly better ways to make money. <laughs> if you're looking to make money, this is really a pretty bad way to do it. Honestly. <sighs> um,
1: Yeah, it's funny. Every once in a while, I get a twinge of jealousy of my employees because I'm like, wow, they go home. Like, I don't, nobody's on email when they leave here. Like, they don't even have access to it, um, which I know is rare in companies. But I just want people to, like, have a life in addition like I don't have. (laughs) (laughs) And every once in a while, I'm like, wow, it would be so weird to go home. Like, to ever go home and not, you know. Right. Not be like I'm in it, I'm getting my emails, I'm whatever. Like they're truly off when they're off. Yeah. Um so and granted they work super hard for me and you know, when I need them at four o'clock in the morning to go do a morning show, they come with me. So <laughs> right. I don't I don't mean it's like, you know, the be it's all and all, but it it's it definitely just different. Yeah, like, yeah, I definitely think of that every once in a while and be like, Wow, I wonder what that would even be like. <laughs> yeah.
2: It's different and like again, there's amazing companies to work for that can pay more than you know because if you're running a business i mean i think i'm the you know seventh highest paid employee at this company um so like i'm constantly putting my personal needs behind the needs of you know my employees and the company in general i mean there's just much better ways to make you know a living if you've got the skills to to do that uh for me, I was a terrible employee and like, it was just never going to work. I just, (laughs) this is probably what I need to be doing and I love it. And so for me, it was never really a a question, but yeah, I I look at some friends that like work at Facebook or Google and I, you know, I see their, their lives and, and, you know, in a lot of ways it's like, you know, you you can envy it sometimes. It's like, Oh, you just, you just like make that money and you just like go home at the end of the day. And then (laughs) you just like take vacations uh, when you want them. Uh, they're like, yes, that's what I do. It's like, oh, okay, I, that's that's kind of nice. <laughs> cool.
1: Well, we have to go to break again, but when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about that, and then also talk a little bit about um, potentially finding your first investors. So stay tuned, everyone. We don't follow, we lead. Join us. The Voice America Influencers Channel. Change starts here. Change starts now. Join us, the
2: Voice America Influencers Channel.
0: You are listening to Have It All with Devin Alexander. To reach the show today, please call 1-866-472-5795. That's one 866 472 5795 or send an email to fans at Devonalexander.com. Now, back to Have it all. Hi, everyone. Welcome
1: back. I'm so excited today. I'm here with James Nord from 4Card, which is this super cool model where influencers sign up to be matched with brands um, and brands sign up to find influencers. Um, I'm actually I've been a part of the platform for a while. I've done campaigns and um, have had a really good time with it. And then James has this super cool podcast or something like a podcast where he educates us all on what he's doing. And I've just found him to be so interesting is how he landed on here. Um, James, before we, you know, we're in the last segment of the show. So before we get cut off, I'd love for you to let everyone know how they can find out more about you and 4card.
2: Yeah. I mean, you could just go to 4.co and I think we do a pretty good job of explaining, uh, you know, what we do for influencers and and kind of how we make money and, and what we do for brands. So that's probably the easiest place you can uh, go to YouTube and, and search for Drink with James or just search for Four. Um, you can search for Drink with James in Apple Podcasts if you want to, you know, do that. And again, that's good for influencers or people looking to work with influencers or just understand social a little better. Um, and you can find us on Instagram, same thing, four.co or James Nord. Um and that should, 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 you know, if you don't understand what we're doing by then, then we haven't done a good, done a good job of explaining it.
1: Oh. Right. And for those who haven't seen it yet, four is F-O-H-R. Yes. Um, this, wait, what is that? Should I know what that came from? Like you why? Sh-
2: you shouldn't, but I can tell okay. you. It okay. Is, okay. Uh, yeah. I'd love to know. So my my like drink of choice is uh, Manhattan. Okay. And when Rich and I were would sit around and talk about this business, when we were really just – Getting into the idea, like, can this be a thing? We would go to this bar we love, the Rose Bar in New York City, which is in the Gramercy Park Hotel, and we would drink Manhattans. And as I said earlier, we wanted it to be like a model's comp card, but we couldn't call it like blogger card. So I, you know, late one night I was researching the Manhattan, and I found this island called Four off the coast of Germany. And after World War II, a group of young men left Four Island, I came over to New York City. Um, There wasn't much work in Germany after the war. And so they came to New York and they were fishermen. Uh, So they worked here for, you know, a number of years and then went back to Four Island. And when they went back, they brought the Manhattan with them, uh, which was not Uh. a thing in Germany or in this island at the time. And so Manhattan's became a like phenomenon on this island and became like the drink of choice. Um so I was like oh that's kind of a cute story and I looked up Four Card and it was $8 to buy the URL so I was like that's <laughs> the name that's the name of the business
1: very cool yeah i thought it might um as i said i thought i might have been asking a stupid question there like as if it was but that's even cooler (laughs) um okay so before the break we were talking about the fact that you have had raised some money and you've continued to raise money do you have any advice for people um i know this is a big topic but um and we have about 10 plus minutes left um but just to, you know, like, where do you even start to think about, you know, do I go to a VC? Do I go to an investor? How do I keep myself out of trouble? Um, do you have any any yeah. advice on that front?
2: I do. You know, the, the thing is, and this is changing a little bit, but when you think about starting a company, the the model is generally that, you know, you raise money first, right? Um That's like, at least if you read about startups or if you're like reading TechCrunch or something like that, like that is what, you know, when they talk about starting a business, that's what you do. Um, You know, that is, I think, less than 1% of the businesses uh, in America receive funding. So it is, you know, more often than not the vast exception, not the rule. Uh, Most businesses don't need venture capital to... Uh, you know to kind of succeed, um, and I think most you can. You're better off. Again, ninety nine times out of a hundred, you're better off bootstrapping it and doing it yourself. Uh, if, if you're raising money just in an, on an idea um, and you've never started a business before, it is very, 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 very difficult to get that money, uh, especially if you don't fit into the archetype of what VCs like to invest in, which is white men who went to Ivy League colleges and, you know, who, like, they play golf with their dads. Um, if you don't fit into that, you know, I mean, I think, That's again... true. <laughs> I think 98% of the venture capital dollars last year went to white males. Um, and a vast majority of the venture capital dollars in the world go to people that graduated from Stanford, Harvard, Princeton, Yale. Um, so if you don't fit into that archetype, you, it, it is going to be very, very hard even if you have an amazing idea to break through the inherent and implicit bias in the venture capital community for what they see as a fundable, uh, a fundable, you know, idea. So, um, I came across that. I mean, I'm a white male that came from a, a level of privilege, and I had a hard time raising money because I wasn't in that world. I don't, you know, I didn't go Ivy League. I don't come from generational wealth. I didn't, you know, have all the right internships that got me connected to these people. So, you know, I found it difficult. Also, you know, the venture community wasn't super interested in social or certainly influencers, so it was hard to get them to, to kind of pay attention to that. Um, so, you know, that aside, does your business need to raise money? I think we raised $250,000 when we started. Uh, we did that mainly to, so we could quit our jobs, Um, I felt like I needed a little, you know, again, I didn't have, uh, you know, I didn't have a a trust fund or anything to lean on to say like, well, I can just quit my job and and I have money for a year and so it's fine. So we really needed that to, um, you know, we needed a little something to, to kind of make sure we would be okay and, and be able to like eat and pay rent, um, so that and then we didn't raise for for years after that. It took, I think, another three years before we raised again. And then we had a very specific reason we wanted to. We were growing, we wanted to get an office. There was a few things that we needed to do, and we didn't have the cash flow to do those things. and and so it was more of a you know a growth opportunity. We really really felt like if we take this money, you know we're going to be able to accelerate things quite a bit. Um, I think if you're in the idea, like the ideation phase of starting a business and thinking about it, I think you need to think about that minimum viable product. Can you get, again, it's getting more and more rare that venture capital will give you money without anything, like just on a a pitch deck. Um, Again, especially if you haven't run a business before. You know, I think if I I sold this business for $50 million and then went to raise money and I just had a deck, I could probably get money because people are saying, well, you've done it once before. You've already been successful. So, like, I'll just, I'm happy to, like, you know, bet on that horse. <clears throat> um, but regardless, you're probably gonna need to have something. you're gonna need to show that people want this thing. So I think you're gonna have to bootstrap anyway, and then you know, I think you have to ask yourself like do you do you need the money? Do you really need the money, or are you just trying to kind of like mitigate some of the pain of running a business without yeah. being capitalized? because it's much harder to do it without venture capital, um, much harder. And, and sometimes it takes more time, but I think for most people in the long run, it's a better, it's a better move. Well,
1: cool. so I think I might not have understood something when you were saying you weren't a candidate for VC and then you said you raised 250,000. Was that separate from VC? Like, did you so rate that, that is, in a different way?
2: That was from like angel investors, um, okay. not traditional venture capitals. Okay. Um, But then, you know, when I say, oh, and then we waited three years to raise, I tried very hard to raise money um, throughout those three years. And it it just never, you know, nobody was ever interested. Um, And maybe the, you know, maybe our pitch wasn't right and all these different things, but um, it, it just wasn't, it didn't happen for us. So when I think of venture capital, I think of like those, you know, traditional big venture capital groups. We had like you know, some wealthy individuals uh, who were, you know, starting to do some kind of angel investing, which I think for most people is the path, right, is saying like, okay, can I get 50 or 100 grand? It'll help me, you know, if you're making products, it helps me order my first products, it helps me quit my job. And I think, you, can, you know, again, you can learn a lot about yourself and your business with a small amount of money rather than, you know, if you raise from traditional venture capital, you're going to have to give up at least 30% of your business. Each time you raise, um, so what ends up happening to a lot of entrepreneurs if they go down the venture capital route is, you know, they raise three or four rounds of funding and they're down to owning less than ten percent of their business. Uh, yes. And and then to you know, if you're just thinking about a, a true money play, let's say your goal is to make, let's make the math easy for me, um, yeah. and say your goal is to make ten million dollars, right? Um, and you own. 100 percent of the company, well it means you have to sell the business for 10 million. If you own 10 percent, you have to sell it for 100 million. You know And so you take, if you take the money, you have to understand that like, the business has to be exponentially more successful for you to get the same thing out of it. Um, and there are I know more entrepreneurs that I know who have sold their businesses, made zero dollars than, made any, than made, actually made money. Because they owned so little, they raised so much money that they ended up selling it for less than they raised. So all the money goes to the investors. Um, it's it's a slippery slope, and I think one that unless you have kind of a zero sum market, and and I would say like think of rideshare like Uber, right? Like the the company that wins there um, is going to be incredibly valuable and you couldn't compete in the ride sharing world without venture capital money because you just you need to grow incredibly quickly you need to be doing a lot of product development like that business needs venture capital you 100% need to raise if you wanted to start a business like that but there's a lot of businesses that don't, you know, they just don't need that, that you can have, think of even beauty products, so let's say you want to start a beauty line, you know there are how many companies right now selling foundation? Um, a lot. you know, So there's always room for a new one. And so you don't need to raise money because you don't need to be number one to have a successful business. But again, if you look at ride sharing, if you're not one of the top two or three companies, you're not really going to have much of a business. Um, that's not, you know, That's rare that an industry is set up in that way.
1: Right. That makes sense. And then with Angel Investor, did you, I'm curious, did you ever consider doing a Kickstarter or crowdfunding or any
2: of those? We didn't because we didn't have a, you know, a product to, a product like that. Um, you know, my little brother works for a company that started as a Kickstarter and was very successful and has gone on to be a great little company. Uh, I think they're, I think that's a great way to do it. I mean, I think for some of my other businesses that I started back in the day, I was selling stuff before I had it. You know, and so I'd say, oh, well, I'm going to make these ties. I made one, right? And then I I put it online, and if I sold thirty, I made thirty or thirty five, maybe. You know, and I think that's a much more intelligent way to do it than saying I'm going to order a thousand of these, and this is going to be a big thing, and it's going to be awesome. Um, I, you know, I think the kickstarters and the pre sales, all of that stuff. Um, is such an asset when you're, when you're starting a business and for most people uh, a better way to go than running around trying to raise money. Right.
1: And with the angel investors, do you feel you have to give up a large percentage of the business or is it a
2: lot easier and a lot less? It can be, it can be less. You know, I think that um, a lot of, you know, I, I hear of a lot of angel investors and stuff I, I and, and people that, Maybe aren't as sophisticated entrepreneurs, um, you know, talking about oh this person wanted to give me money, but they wanted sixty percent of my company. I mean, that's ah. that's crazy, you know. And like, yeah. I think there are a lot of like almost predatory angels who are saying, okay, you want hundred grand, I want eighty percent of your business. And yeah. people that are so passionate about their idea, they're just like, whatever, I'll do that. Like, All that's right. a tough pill to swallow um, because you just signed up to work for someone, you know, essentially because um, they own the business, they can fire you, they can get rid of you, they can do whatever they want, whenever they want. So um, we did not give up as much as we would have with traditional venture. Um, we also didn't take as much money as a lot, you know, 250000 in the startup community for, uh, you know, a technology company is, is pretty small. Um, and, uh, you know, I could turn around tomorrow and probably raise 5 or $10 million for this business. I, I choose not to because we don't, need it right now but also I don't want to give up the you know I don't want to give up the control or the equity uh, that's become more valuable to me than, uh, than the money Awesome,
1: um, one more time will you tell people where they can find you or and/or
2: for garden um, as I'm sure they're going to want to I hope so so yeah we are you know at 4.co fohr. Co online and and uh, you can find us on Instagram same name for 4 4.co and I'm at James Nord. Um, and thank you for having me.
1: Awesome. Thank you so much, James. I can't tell you how much I appreciate you taking the time. I know you're insanely busy, and this was just really um, insightful, I'm sure, for a lot of people. And congratulations on all your success. I'm gonna continue to play in your <laughs> play in your world. and um, hopefully um, you'll continue to prosper as you have been.
2: I hope we work together soon. I appreciate it. All right.
1: thanks so thank much. You. Have a good week, everyone.
2: Cheers.
0: Thanks for listening to Have It All. Be sure to join Devin Alexander for another great show next Wednesday at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Until we talk again, have a fit and fun week.